right, well, welcome to Grace Home Church. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors. I'd like to welcome our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, everybody who's watching online. What a phenomenal week we had with sports camp. And I personally want to thank all of our children's pastors at all of our campuses. I want to thank all of our volunteers. Thank you for serving. We had hundreds and hundreds of volunteers pulling off this sports camp. I wanted to share with you guys, we had 70 kids commit their lives to Jesus Christ on Thursday night. Super excited uh, about that. I sent an email out to the staff and the elders on Thursday night and said, hey, we had 70 kids commit their lives to Jesus Christ. I immediately got an email back from Brad Williams, one of our elders at the Oconee campus. He said, make that 71. My son Landon committed his life to Christ on the way home. And so we have a lot more kids to follow up. There were tons and tons of cards where the kids said they wanted to commit their life to Jesus Christ, but we just need someone to follow up and talk with them. So our children's pastors are following up with the kids. So you guys keep praying. It was, it was a phenomenal week, and we're honored to be a part of sports camp. So thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for praying. Today I want to talk about the parable, the parable of the weeds and the wheat, okay? And a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were out here in the offices, and uh, in between our offices, we have some picnic tables, and, and the office ladies were having lunch, and I sat down, and I had lunch with them, and we were hanging out, and we we're having fun, and, and so I go back into my office, and all of a sudden, the three office ladies all come into my office. And I think, oh, great. <laughs> I'm in trouble now, right? What did I say? What did I do? And they said, hey, do you think you could do some messages on the parables? Because, because we talked about the parable of the, uh, the mustard seed, the parable of the yeast. And they really got a lot out of that. And I said, hey, I'll do it. And so I, I came in this week and I said, okay, I just want you guys to know this is the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Not the parable of the wheat and weed. Okay, because weed is becoming popular around the United States. It's getting legal. I was out in California uh, last year. You know, you can order marijuana. You can just have it delivered to your house, rolled or unrolled, however you want it. But that's not what we're talking about today, okay? We live in Georgia, all right? We live in Georgia. It's the wheat and the weeds. We're in Matthew chapter 13 this summer. We're reading through the book of Matthew. Last week, I covered the entire book of Matthew in about 20 minutes. And a lot of the guys were texting me. They were calling me. That's the best sermon you ever gave. I said, why is that? What did you get out of it? It was only 20 minutes. It was just great, you know, because we got out of here early. And we, we beat the Baptists to the, to the restaurants. So the, the, the theme of Matthew's gospel is the king and his kingdom. It's all about the king, Jesus Christ, coming to build his kingdom. And we learned last week that we're to seek first the kingdom of God. We're to build his kingdom. And how we build his kingdom is through making disciples. We're going to talk a lot more about making disciples. One of the focuses this year is going to be focused on making disciples. And so the book of Matthew is about the king and his kingdom. And Jesus teaches through parables, through short stories. And he explains things through these through these parables. And most of the parables in the book of Matthew begin with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is, is like. And so it's important to know that the kingdom of heaven is not just the afterlife. 
But the kingdom of heaven takes place on earth. And God is building his kingdom with his people. Matthew chapter 6, we have the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are living, we are a part of the kingdom of heaven. We are a part of the kingdom of God right here on earth. All right, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Y'all ready to go? Here we go. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And so Jesus tells this parable to the crowd, to the, to the multitudes. And then he always comes back and he explains the secrets to the kingdom with his disciples, with his true followers. And so he explains the parable Verse 36 and following. Then he left the crowd and went to the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered them, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has, heat, has ears, let them hear. And so my first observation from this parable is Jesus is the only one who sows the good seeds of salvation. Jesus is the only one who sows the good seeds of salvation. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't earn our way to heaven. Salvation, heaven, comes only through putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And now God uses ordinary people to sow his good seeds. Okay, God uses ordinary people to sow his seeds, the seeds of his word. Romans ten fourteen says, How then can they call the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And so God uses ordinary people to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is sowing the good seeds. The good seeds are illustrated by the wheat. Jesus and his angels will harvest the wheat at the end of time. And Jesus' wheat is going to be gathered into his barn for all eternity. 
The wheat are the true followers of Jesus Christ. And he refers to them as people of the kingdom or children of the kingdom. Okay, not children of the corn, but children of the kingdom, right? Jesus sows the good seed, but there's an enemy who sows bad seeds. The enemy comes while they're sleeping and sows bad seeds. Now, it's not just a few weeds that crop up. Like, there's, there's weeds everywhere. And the owner of the field says, an enemy did this. Now, let me give you some context of the time that Jesus Christ was telling this story. Okay? So, when he's talking about this, this garden, okay, this, this, is a, this is a wheat garden. Okay, this isn't like, like we have these little gardens on the side of our houses and we, we grow tomatoes and we grow kale and we grow peppers and we take these pictures and post them on Instagram and say, hey, look at my tomatoes, you know, look at my, look at my peppers, you know. It's like this little hobby that we, that we have, okay. This is a wheat field. This is a field that would supply food for the entire town or the entire village, So if an enemy is coming in and sowing bad seed in this field, trying to destroy the field, trying to destroy the crop, trying to destroy the very lives of the people who live in the town. Okay, this isn't a joke. This isn't isn't like something that's just a little prank that's, that's funny, right? This is war, right? This is war. The enemy is trying to destroy their crops. And it was a crime punishable by by law in its time. Like if you sowed bad seed, you sowed weeds in someone's field and someone's crop, you would be punished for that. My second observation is the enemy is trying to destroy the church. Jesus Christ is building his kingdom. Jesus Christ is building his kingdom church. And Jesus has a very real enemy, and his name is Satan. Satan is trying to destroy the church. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to destroy our lives. He wants to destroy our marriages. He wants to destroy our families, okay? We are in a real battle of spiritual warfare. The field is the church, And Jesus is sowing good seeds, and Satan is sowing bad seeds. And just as God uses people to sow good seeds, Satan uses people to sow bad seeds. And Satan will send his people into the church to infiltrate the church and sow bad seeds. Jesus refers to these people as false prophets or false teachers. He says they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, we're reading through the book of Matthew. We read read in Matthew chapter 7 this week, 7 verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. They claim to be pastors. They claim to be religious leaders. They disguise themselves in sheep's clothing. They, they look like Christians, right? They look like true followers of Jesus Christ. They do the right things. They say the right things. But really on the inside, even though they're on the outside, they look like sheep. 
on the inside, they are ferocious wolves. And they're looking to destroy the church. They're looking to lead God's sheep away from the fold. And so we have a very real enemy, and he doesn't fight fair. <laughs> I mean, it's a war, right? I mean, it is a, it is a battle. He's trying to purposely destroy the church. He's trying to purposely destroy the good seeds that Jesus Christ has sown. And he comes in the middle of the night while they're sleeping. Like when we least expect it, under the radar, stealth mode, right? And we don't realize what he is doing. We're in a battle. We are in a war. And I, know, and I know I've shared this many times before, but we're in a battle for the souls of men and women and students and children. We are in a war. We are in a battle. And we need to do everything we can to fight, to protect our church, to protect our marriages, to protect our families, to protect our children. And God has given us weapons for war. How we overcome the enemy is not in and of ourselves, but it's God's power, His Spirit living in us and through us. Now, at sports camp this week, our, our kids quoted this verse, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And you, y'all remember the motions? Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. It's the power of the Lord living in us and through us that we can take a stand. I want to read the whole passage here, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of putting on the armor of God. Every Sunday morning when I get prepared to preach, I... the first thing I do is I confess all of my sins because I'm a very sinful person. I was talking to, to Mark earlier this week about this. Like, how do you do it every week? I, I get on my knees and I just confess my sins because I want to be a clean and holy vessel to be used by God. And then I physically pray on the armor of God, the belt of truth. We're going on duty. Every time I, I put my belt on, it's like I'm going on duty. I'm a soldier for him. You know, we have too many Christians that are living as civilians. (laughs) We need to be living as soldiers. (laughs) 
And not just on Sunday, right? We need to be waking up every day putting on the armor of God, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Protect my mind. Protect my faults. The breastplate of righteousness. We want to be pure and holy vessels to be used by God. The peace shoes of the gospel. They were quick to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The shield of faith to protect from the flaming arrows of the evil one. Praying a hedge of protection around our marriages, around our families, around our churches and our campuses and our kids. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the word of God, that we have weapons for war and praying in the Spirit on all occasions. We need to quit living as civilians. <laughs> we need to quit sleeping. We need to quit getting involved in civilian affairs and live as soldiers. We're in a war. We're in a battle for the souls of men and women and students and children. Verse 28, he says, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? And he says, no, because if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat as well. A third observation from this passage is wheat and weeds are both growing in the church. Wheat and weeds are both growing in the church. In the church, every church, <laughs> till the end of time, till the end of age, until the, the harvest has both wheat and weeds, saved and unsaved, unbelievers and believers, children of the kingdom and children of the evil one. And it's really hard to tell the two apart. It's really hard <laughs> to tell the difference between the weeds and the, and the wheat. Now, a lot of scholars believe that the, the weed that Jesus was talking about is, is this weed called a darnel, which is popular in, in Israel. It's a poisonous weed. And it looked just like wheat until it was full grown, right? It's really hard to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. There is no perfect church. Every church has weeds and wheat. Hypocrites and deceivers creep into every church. Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, Wesleyan churches, Pentecostal churches, Catholic churches, non-denominational churches. And we won't know which is which between the wheat and the weeds until we get to the harvest. The roots have become intertwined. And you don't want to pull up the weeds because you might accidentally uproot the wheat. And so the kingdom of God is growing. The wheat is growing alongside of the weeds. And the weeds cannot keep the wheat from growing. <laughs> Satan, the enemy, cannot keep the church from growing. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 18, 
I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Victory is ours in Jesus. We will win the war. And so the wheat and the weeds are growing alongside of each other. And we're not going to know which is which until the harvest. Now, the harvest is the final judgment. There will be a day when, we, when all of us are judged. Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 16 says, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud. And seated on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a crown of gold in his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. The harvest is the final judgment. And this is my final point, and I love this point. God is the one who does the weeding. (laughs) God is the one who does the weeding. God is the one who determines who is the wheat and who are the weeds. We're not the ones who do the weeding, right? the, the, The servants ask the landowner, do you want us to go and to pull up the weeds? No, it's it's not our job to do the weeding. It's God's job to do the weeding. We don't know who the weed is, and we don't know who the weeds are. We're not to judge other people, right? Jesus is so clear on this. Do not judge. You know who, who some of the most critical judgmental people in the world are? Christians. I've been in full-time ministry now for almost 30 years. You know who's criticized me the most? You know who's judged me the most? Christians, people who claim the name of Jesus. And Jesus is so clear. We read it this week. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and following. Jesus says, this is red letter in my Bible, do not judge. Could it be any clearer than that? Do not judge. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We're not to judge others. It's so clear in Scripture. Christians are not to judge others. But you know what? Others are not to judge us either, right? And don't you love it that at the end of time, at the harvest, at the final judgment, that God is the one who does the judging? Don't you love that? God, who is rich in mercy, who is rich in grace, he's the one who does the judging. At the end of time and at the harvest, you know who's not going to be judging us? Our family, 
Our family's not going to be judging us. Our friends aren't going to be judging us. Our enemies are not going to be judging us. The religious leaders and the super spiritual people are not going to be judging us. God is going to be judging us. God who is rich in mercy and rich in love. The person who laid his life down for us. (laughs) The person that we have a personal relationship with and we know personally. God is the one who judged. He is the judge. The wheat will go into God's barn and the weeds will burn. The barn is symbolic of heaven and the weeds burning is symbolic of hell. Do not be misled by false doctrine and false theology. There is a real physical heaven and there is a real physical hell. Okay, Jesus Christ was very clear about this. So here's the question, it's a simple application, is which one are you? The wheat or the weeds? Only you know. Which one are you? Are you going to be gathered into God's barn for all eternal life? Or are you going to burn with the weeds? Which one are you? Jesus closes the parable with the words, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Maybe God is speaking to you today. (laughs) Wheat or weeds? Sheep or goats? Good fish or bad fish? We have all of these parables. They're all the same. We're either one or the other. Which one are you? And and here's the amazing thing, is God can do a miracle in your life. And he can transform a weed into wheat. Can I get an amen on that? He's the one that can transform weeds into wheat. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember, Jesus Christ is the only one who sows the good seed. He's the only one that sows salvation and eternal life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. It's no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. You call on the name of the Lord. You put your faith in Him. You repent of your sins. You put your faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, and you will be saved. If you don't know which one you are, I want to give you the opportunity today, just as we had 71 kids put their faith in Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for us. And his blood covers our sins. His blood washes us as white as snow. God, I know today you are sowing good seeds. And your seeds are going to take root and they're going to grow. And God, I pray if there's anyone here, anyone watching, anyone listening, who has never put his or her faith in you, God, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. That you would forgive them of their sins. That you would come into their lives 
and change their lives. And they would begin to grow in their faith and grow in their relationship with you. God, I thank you that you are the one who does the judging. You are the one who does the weeding. We simply need to be obedient to do what it is that you have called us to do. And I do pray for all of us, God, that we would be the wheat, that we would be gathered into your barns and we'd spend eternity in heaven with you. And we pray these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.